0: You guys uh, probably have heard of Laurel and Hardy, yes, Lord, yes, Laurel and Hardy. You, you know, the, these guys up here on the screen, Laurel and Hardy, who? Yeah, yeah, exactly. My dad, in youth ministry, when I was growing up, he would uh, go down to the library and get uh, the reel-to-reel movies from the library and show them on the projector. And so we would watch, as a youth group, we would watch Laurel and Hardy stuff. They are hilarious. They're even funnier backwards because you used to be able to do that when you actually put it up on the screen. So we would watch everything. If they fall down, then they would fall back up. We had a great time. Stan Laurel, the, the, the smaller of the two, famously on his deathbed he was in the hospital for for a while and he was very very sick he knew he was dying he called the nurse over and he said in his own inimitable style he says do you know what i'd like to be doing i mean you could just hear that right do you know what i'd like to be doing and the nurse says no i I, I don't know and he said i I would like to be skiing she goes oh uh, mr laurel i didn't know you skied and he says i don't but i would rather be doing that than what i'm doing now which was dying. You know, sometimes we do find ourselves in situations that we don't want to be in. We would never choose it for ourselves, even if we had a choice. I remember in my 20s, after a lifetime, albeit a short lifetime, but after a lifetime of just wanting to fall in love and find that person to get married, I I knew that I wanted to get married in my early 20s, but there was nobody in my life. I, I remember God just letting me be hopelessly single I didn't like that. That's not where I wanted to be. I've known couples who have tried and tried to conceive, desperately wanting to start a family, but to no avail. I know people even in this congregation who have to live in 24-7 pain, constant pain, literal physical pain, who would give anything to just live one day without the suffering. My wife, Jenny, and I Just made a whirlwind trip right after VBS. We went uh, down, made a nine hour drive down to Manteca, California, in the valley there in California. We were going to a funeral of a, a good friend of mine and a great mentor of mine. It was good to be there. I wanted to be there, but if you catch my meaning, I didn't want to be there. I really would love to have been anywhere else than at a funeral of a friend. It was a valley. Yeah, we had traveled down the valley. It was a valley of weeping. I was very emotional going down. I was very emotional there. It wasn't a pleasant place to be. We sing songs like, When peace like a river attendeth my way, When sorrow like sea billows roll, Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, It is well. It is well with my soul. But let's be honest. Let's be honest. Aren't there times when peace like a river does not attendeth our way? And when those sorrows, those sea billows of sorrows, they don't just roll, they crash all around us. Today's Psalm, Psalm 84, you'll want to go there if you have your Bibles today, Psalm 84. I must confess that I truly did not understand it until I did a deeper study in preparation for this message Now, I I know this psalm from a couple of the songs that we sing at church, and I've been singing for a long, long time in church. uh, the, The words that the psalmist speaks, though, is he's not talking about where he is. That's what I always missed. I always thought that he was talking about where he was. But if you really look carefully at Psalm 84, you'll actually see that the psalmist is not where he wants to be. And his. Heart and flesh are crying out to be where he longs to be. He's not in the courts of the Lord. That's where he wants to be. He's not as close to God's presence as he has been in the past. He's been there. He just doesn't feel like he's there right now. He remembers how good it was, and he expresses a longing to be there once again. I don't know if you've ever been there. I have. So let's read Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts, my soul longs. Yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. You can see the desperation there. You can hear that in his voice. My heart and flesh cry out to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home. The swallow finds a nest for herself where she may lay her young There at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are those who get to dwell in your house, ever singing your your name. Blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose hearts are the highways to Zion. Zion is another name for Jerusalem, where the temple was, where God's spirit dwelt. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs, The early rain also covers it with pools, and they go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God there in Zion, in Jerusalem, at the temple, in his presence. Verse 8, O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. And by the way, he's talking about the king here. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. And I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield, and the Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Oh, Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. You know, in our spiritual journey, we live for those mountaintop experiences, don't we? times where we feel very close to God, we're refreshed, we're encouraged, but we also understand that the way that life goes also, there are not just mountaintops, there's also valleys. The valley of the shadow of death, as we looked at in Psalm 23, the valley of Baca here in Psalm 84. By the way, Baca means weeping or sorrow. And so truly this psalm, Psalm 84, is a song of pilgrimage, and, and scholars do tell us that uh, pilgrims that were making their way to Jerusalem would sing this song. This is one of them that they would sing. It's a song that leads the psalmist from pain into a place of God's presence. It's a pilgrimage, if you will, from pain into the presence of God. Did you catch that he says, man, even birds get to be there. Yeah, you can just see, man, I, can I build a nest there? Remember Wizard of Oz and that song, Somewhere Over the Rainbow? Dorothy said, oh, if happy little bluebirds fly beyond the rainbow, why can't I? It's not like she's discouraged. No, she's now using this as motivation to say, if they get to go beyond the rainbow, I want to go beyond the rainbow. The psalmist is saying, listen, if happy little bluebirds make their nests, their home, they're in God's presence, then I want that too. And he uses it as a motivation to to move, to, to actually begin this pilgrimage from pain into God's presence. Well, what about me? Well, when I find myself not where I want to be, do I wallow in my pain or do I use that understanding that I'm not where I want to be as a motivation to actually say, okay, well then get up. If you're not where you want to be, get up and do some movement here. Like my mom would say anytime time I would call her up and say, Hey, Mom, things are bad. I want a pity party. You want to come to my pity party? And I, 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 would, I would pour out my heart to my mom over the phone. She lived a, a two and a half hours away, and I was just, I was lonely, and I didn't know what God wanted me to do, and this was so horrible. And then there was this pause on the phone. <laughs> and then she'd say, Well, <laughs> that told me she was not going to go to my pity party. And she said, well, what has God been telling you? Have you talked to your heavenly father about this, not just your mom on the phone? Well, what are you going to do about this, Trey? Well, where is God leading you? You see, we all have pain, and we all have choice. Do we just wallow in that pain? By the way, wallowing does sometimes make it feel okay. Poor me, poor me. But it doesn't ever change anything, does it? does it? I mean, you just stay there. You don't ever get up and walk and, and, and move and, and, and go anywhere else. The psalmist uses his situation of saying, I'm not where I want to be. And he uses that as motivation to actually begin this pilgrimage back to God. And it's while he's on this journey that he observes some things. He learns some things. He discovers some things. Number one, he, he remembers that he's not alone on this journey. And by the way, I'm not just talking about, well, God is with him. Of course, God is with him. But sometimes we can't feel God. Sometimes we don't know where God is, even though we know up here that God is with us. I'm not just talking about the fact that God's spirit is with him. He's not alone on his journey. If you look there back in, in verses five through seven, he talks a lot about in the plural. There are those on this journey. There are those who go through the Valley of Baca. There are others there. It's a highway that he he speaks of. Now, I'm from from California. Sorry, I escaped. I'm 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 from the Bay Area. I learned to drive in San Jose. I know about highways. They have highways coming out the wazoo. I, they have Highway 101. They've got 80, 180, 280, 380, 480, 580, 680, 780, 880, and 980. I'm not kidding you. And those are just the big ones. There are, and where there's highways, guess what? There are people. There's traffic. You never are the only one on the highway. And such is the 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 experience of the psalmist. He says, "Man, blessed are those who are on this highway to Zion." Uh, In their heart, they are on this highway to the holy city. So he understands he's not alone. And that's a good thing to remember when you're struggling with pain. Because pain, by its very nature, is isolating. It makes you feel very much alone. It, It actually drives you to sometimes even withdraw yourself away from anybody else. It makes you feel alone. As a boy, I ended up in the hospital a lot. And my mom would later on in my life would tell me of those times where she would be sitting at my bedside there at the hospital feeling helpless, crying out to God and thinking all the while as she heard the cars passing by, all of these people are just on their way not knowing what I'm going through. They're just on their happy way without any problems whatsoever. They're all fine. No struggles on the level that I'm dealing with. Now, if that's true or not, it doesn't matter. That's how she felt. And the danger of feeling that way is often those kinds of feelings, if you do not look up, those can lead to greater darkness. So very wisely, the psalmist reminds himself that there are other travelers. There's other people on this highway, if you will. In fact, what I have found throughout my life is that sometimes God has actually put those people there very specifically at that time of your life, to help you on your pilgrimage from pain into his presence. People who are going to pray for you, who will speak into your life, who sometimes will just sit with you, not even have to talk. Sometimes they'll swing by your house and say, hey, I'm going into town. You want to come with me? And they don't have to even talk about what you're going through at all. They just are reminding you that you're not alone. Praise God for those people. Secondly, on the pilgrimage, there's an opportunity for us as we pass through. And again, just like when we talked about the valley of the shadow of the of death in, in, in Psalm 23, we don't stay in the valley of the shadow of death, nor do we stay in the valley of weeping, of Baca at all. We pass through. It's not a permanent thing. Sooner or later, either temporarily in this life, it's the, the pain is going to ease or Maybe it doesn't go away in this life, but one day when you walk into eternity, it will be gone. God will wipe every tear from our eyes, it tells us in Revelation as John looked up at heaven to see what that was going to be like. But as we do walk through the valley of weeping, the valley of Baca, we got to remember what Psalm 30 verse 5 says. It says, though weeping may last through the night, joy comes in the morning. Though weeping may last for two weeks, joy eventually is there. Though the weeping may last two years, joy will always win out and be there. Even weeping may last through the rest of my life, but joy will be there when I get to the other side. As I walk through, here's, I, I have an opportunity now. The psalmist speaks of those who travel through the Valley of Baca, making that valley springs, which means that God can use your pain, your struggles, to actually minister to people who come behind you. You may think nobody understands what I'm going through. That that very well may be. But down the road, a year from now, five years from now, Maybe God will put somebody in your life that is going through the exact same thing and now you are able to be that one that sits with them, that comforts them, that speaks peace to their life, that actually takes that valley of of weeping, of Baca, and making it a spring of refreshing water for fellow travelers that come along afterwards. My friend and, and mentor that I went to his funeral Uh, Mark Bell. He was a man who knew the power of both laughter and tears. He was a preacher. He once said that if you're preaching, you, you better either make him cry or make him laugh. In other words, Mark knew how to connect with people where they were at and to touch their lives in a very real way. Here was a man who in the last few years of his life struggled, struggled physically. He was in the midst of pain. He was dying. And in his last days, spending his days there in a care facility, when his family or when close friends came to visit him, they found him wheeling around the care facility in a wheelchair, singing, on the road again, just can't wait to get on the road again. And they spoke of Mark with laughter. Why? Because Mark, Mark was in pain. He was hurting, but he knew he was not the only one hurting. He knew that other people would be there at his memorial service who were hurting in their hearts, and he wanted to give them something, some kind of comfort. He wanted to give them springs of refreshment so that they would be able to say goodbye to him, even with the sorrow to have the joy of knowing that they would see him once again. So he made them laugh. He created springs and pools of comfort. Church, whatever you're going through, God will use if you let him. You're not going through it for no reason. Don't let the enemy tell you that what you're going through is meaningless. That's a lie. When the enemy tells you that, you tell him to go soak his head in the lake of fire if you catch my drift. God will use our struggles, our pains, our hurts God will help our pilgrimage through the valley of Baca to actually refresh those who will one day pass that same way. Scripture points out that it's in the dry seasons of our life that God, through his power, can provide refreshing springs. But it's not just for the future generations. It's also for people here and now. I I told you he's praying for the king. That, that blows me away. Normally when I'm in pain, when I don't understand what's going on, I kind of get into myself. I, I, I focus in on my problems, my pain, my stuff. And yet, here's somebody who is praying for other people. We have a gentleman in our third service, a guy named Richard. Every time he has to go to the ER, every time he has to go see the doctor, every time he is in pain, he looks for other people that he could be ministering to what an amazing testimony that that it our pain is not just for the future generations but even in our pain we can be lifting up people here and now i feel ashamed when i see the psalmist praying for the king because Honestly, I get so inwardly focused when I don't feel good that I forget that there are other people who need my encouraging words and that sometimes God even brings me out of my pit when I do minister to other people. But the power to do all of this lies in this: keeping this one thought in mind. I have to get into his presence. That's the only place I'm going to find this power If I don't get there, I will spiritually die. And so that's why we see these absolute truths that are put into Psalm. Either better is one day, better is one day in your courts, better is one day in your house, better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. Or if you know the other song, and I would rather be a doorkeeper in your house than to spend my whole life somewhere else. Why? Because the psalmist says, God is my son and he's my shield. Because in those times of pain, oftentimes we think that the world is cold and dark and we need the sun to be our warmth and our light. And it, it seems like it is very dangerous, the road that we walk, and we need to have a shield to give us strength and protection. And when I can cling to those things, I'll know that I am not alone. Yes, I will struggle in my life. You will struggle in your life. And there are times that God miraculously takes us out of the storm. But in my experience, in my ministry, what I read from in Scripture, I know more often than not God chooses to use that storm to build into me something that I could never have found on my own. And he would rather walk me through the storm than take me out of the storm. And so I cling to my son. I cling to my shield. I cling to that, even though it takes me through the valley of Baca, the valley of weeping, I will cling to him. And my heart and flesh will cry out to be in his presence, even if it was just for one day. That's how desperate the psalmist is. You know, Disney used to have some good movies. I grew up loving the uh, animated musicals. One of my favorites was uh, called The Hunchback of Notre Dame. It was about the hunchback of Notre Dame. <laughs> A twisted, crippled man who had been locked away in the Notre Dame Cathedral by his guardian, who was embarrassed by him, wanted to lock him away in the bell tower there. And that was his job was to ring the bells there of Notre Dame. And, and as he would look down there on, on the, the square of all the people far, far below him, He would begin to imagine what their lives were like. He couldn't be with them. He wanted to. Disney has this amazing song at the beginning of that movie where Quasimodo, the hunchback of Notre Dame, is singing, if I could just spend one day out there, then I swear I'll be content with my share because I will have spent one day where I wanted to be. And that's ultimately what the psalmist is saying here I can think of no better summary of Psalm 84 than, even if it was just one day, that's all I need. I I get my breath of fresh air of His Spirit. And even if I was just a servant, just the guy at the door welcoming people in, if I could do that for one day, that would be far more fulfilling than any other place that I could live the rest of my life. Monty, why don't you bring your team on up? we're getting ready to sing betters one day. But before we do, I I want you to really have a, a heart to heart with God. You know, I love you guys. I love serving as your pastor. And I love these times where we can get very real with God. Because God wants to bring you into a community. And some of you have not yet made your way into that community. I'm not just talking about a Sunday morning for an hour and 10, hour and 15 minutes. There's a song that we often sing. It's called Chain Breaker. And one of the lines goes, If you've got pain, he's a pain taker. For those of you who have not yet come to a very strong faith in Jesus, I want you to know that the gospel is very clear. For the times that you have pain, Jesus came to bear that pain, to walk you through that pain. That song also says he's a chain breaker. If you have never come to Jesus and you still are seeped in your sin, those chains of sin binding you, the addictions wearing you down, you need to know that Jesus came to free you from those chains, that he went through the struggle and the pain of the cross so that you might find life. God promised to lead us down the highway. Even if it takes us through the valley of Baca, he promises us to take us down the highway into the holy city. And it's a journey that we get to take with one another. It's a journey that God will use to bring us closer to him. And it's a journey that he can transform even the greatest of pain into beauty. The way that Isaiah puts it is he gives us beauty for ashes, Beauty for ashes. And Isaiah speaks of the ashes that someone in mourning would put on their forehead or, or, or even pour on themselves in a time of grief. He says God is in the business of taking your grief, your mourning, your ashes, and turning it into something beautiful. The word there in Hebrew for beauty is a word that can be translated as a tiara. You, you, know, you know who wears tiaras? Princesses wear tiaras. Royalty wears tiaras. Or he's talking about a turban or a beautiful headpiece that indicates favor. By the way, when Isaiah speaks of this beauty for ashes, this is the same passage that Jesus, the Messiah, read to those in Nazareth in the synagogue when he was declaring that he was the Messiah who would come and, and uh, proclaim freedom for the captives and sight for the blind. And to proclaim the year of the Lord's tiara, the Lord's turban, the Lord's beautiful headrest, the Lord's favor. And that's what the psalmist is longing for. That's what some of you are longing for, I know. Would you be willing today as we sing the song, Better Is One Day, to let this be your heart cry? I want to pray with you today for those of you here today who are hurting who are not in the place where you would want to be, I'm going to pray for you. So would we just bow our heads, have our lights down, and let me pray for you, and then we're going to sing together. God, I pray right now for those who have come today in faithfulness. They didn't want to be here. They didn't know why they were coming, but, God, they were here. (laughs) They're struggling. They're far from any situation that they would have chosen for themselves. God, it is so necessary for us to be able to feel your presence during those times. God, you've called us to go on a pilgrimage to turn our pain into a more focus in on your presence. And so I would pray that you would help those who have not yet started that pilgrimage. God, that you'd give them the courage to step out, to open up their hearts, to say, that's where I want to be. God, bring the people around them that need to be around them to speak into their lives, to just sit with them, to listen to them, to love them during this time. God, remind them that uh, you are with them and that uh, tough times don't always last forever. In fact, they never last forever. Though they may last even the rest of our life, God, you have promised that one day we will live in a place because of what your son Jesus did on the cross and because of his resurrection, one day we will live in a place where there will be no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more pain, no more parting, no more death, and you'll wipe away every tear from our eyes. God, show us as we go through our pain and struggle, God, who else we can touch. Use our pain, God, to bring springs of refreshment to other people. Encourage us to know that what we are going through is not meaningless. Let us rise above the lies of the enemy. Give us a new perspective, a new wisdom, a new understanding of why we're going through what we're going through. And God, that you would then lead us to a place of trust in you. And God, above all else, I would pray that our heart's cry would be, better is one day in your presence than a thousand elsewhere. And God, when we come to these places where we are in your presence, Lord, I would pray that you just fill us up in the way that we need to be filled. God, thank you again for being a part of what we're doing here today. We, we love you, and we want to shine for you. I pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.